You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ, from dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth, deliverer. Shalom. This is Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I am your host for Fundamentally Mormon. I'm currently recording to you on the 19th day of October 2021 from Wellington, Utah. Uh, It decided it wanted to snow a lot. (laughs) And uh, I had to clean my headlights off oh four times from Huntington almost out to the sunny side turnoff when I decided that I just couldn't see anymore. So I cleaned my headlights off and went back to Wellington and now I'm sitting here at this truck stop waiting for it to let up a little bit. It started coming down pretty heavy. My wife was talking last night about 7.30 or 8 about how it was snowing in price but it wasn't snowing where I was I was delivering just south of Price to the uh, Savage Coal Terminal from Lila Mine out in Emory County down Highway 6 and uh, didn't have any problems I uh, was going back for my last load to go back out to the power plant in Huntington and it started snowing about where the airport is just north of town and uh, it got pretty bad and I kept hoping it would let up and it did not and it was coming down so heavy I have LED headlights on this truck and they have a heater element inside of the headlights uh, because regular headlights they make their own heat but LED lights don't make any heat anyway but it was uh It was snowing so heavy that uh, my headlights were getting completely covered in snow. And I couldn't see. (laughs) So I decided, you know what? I'm going to sit here at this truck stop and wait for it to calm down. And unfortunately, I will not be able to go back for my last load. Which is a little upsetting. But better safe than sorry. The other thing, too, so it's kind of funny. My boss, D. 
decided to put this big old metal visor on this W900 Kenworth that I drive around. It's a beautiful truck. I really enjoy driving it. And I like the visor, but it's 13 inches down from the top on the sides and 11 inches down from the top in the middle. And uh, unforeseen uh, circumstances, I guess. I don't know. Um, Currently, I cannot see anything in front of me because the ice, the snow buildup, is building up and it is falling down off the visor in front of me to where literally there's maybe about three inches at the bottom of the windshield that I can see through. So... If I was driving down the road, it wouldn't be so bad. But it was hanging down another two or three inches. Oh, there, some of it just fell off. It was fall. It was hanging down about two or three inches. Now, when you already have 13 inches on the side and 11 inches in the middle covered because the visor is low and it looks cool, but um, and then you've got another three inches on top of that trying to you know, fault the snow falling off the visor when you're driving down the road. It doesn't make it easy. I do like the visor because at night I can put my air seat up a little bit and any bright headlights that are coming down the road, all I got to do is raise my air seat up a little bit and all of a sudden I don't have to look at those really bright headlights anymore. And uh, because I have LEDs, even though I have pointed them down at the ground more um everybody flashes you because they think that you've got your brights on so i got to the point where i don't i don't flash them back i just let them flash their lights and i sit up in my seat and i let the visor do its job (laughs) that's one of the benefits of having these big metal visors at night in the daytime it's nice not to have the sun beating down on you i remember when i was uh driving a semi-truck down. I used to have this job working for Barney Trucking, and I was based out of St. George, and my job was to go uh, from Page, Arizona, down to to Las Vegas every day, or from Black Rock, Arizona, down to Vegas every day. And whenever I had to work in the daytime, which I don't like doing, the sun just beating through the window on to me like would make my stomach hurt because the sun comes down at an angle especially when you're driving towards it and uh they'd get really hot even though the air conditioner was on full blast so i really do i i'm really grateful that he put the visor on i just uh wish that it wasn't quite so low and i wish i am uh 250 pounds give or take 10 pounds. It's ridiculous. I used to be over 400 pounds. Um, I've lost a lot of weight, but I got down to 250 and down to 240 and up to 250. And that is kind of where I've been stuck. Uh, Even if I'm dieting and exercising, it's kind of funny. (laughs) I think it's funny anyway. And I don't mind being this weight. Um, I know it's not exactly healthy for me, but uh, it's not that big of a deal to me. I don't care that much uh, that I am really slender because that's never been the build that I have had as a person. Anyway, while I have time 
And I'm waiting for the snow to end, or at least to lighten up a little bit, uh, before I go back empty to the yard. I um, I thought, you know what, we're going to listen to the recording. Now, this is the last of the revelations between 1880 and 1890. This one was received by Wilford Woodruff in 1889. And it's a sad commentary on what happened. Because he was told not to give in to the Gentiles, not to do these things. Uh, if he would have listened to God who knows the end from the beginning, he never would have signed the manifesto. And uh, Charles Penrose would have been censured or maybe even excommunicated for apostasy for keep for the fact that he kept pushing it into Wilford Woodruff's face. He, do, he also did this to John Taylor and why they didn't stand up to this man is beyond me. Now this guy was one of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And there was another one that was involved in trying to get the church to give in. Hold on, I'm going to roll down my window. You might hear some beeping from the truck. It's getting kind of hot in this truck. So I had the uh, the heater on full blast trying to get the snow to melt off of my windshield. But anyway... Um, Wilford Woodruff shouldn't have ever listened to this man. When they presented the revelation, they never they never presented the revelation for one. They never did. Now, in order for the for the church to accept a revelation, they have to be presented a revelation. The manifesto was a was a press release document which started with to whom it may concern. It was not the voice or the will of God at all in any way, shape, or form. And I know there's people out there that, that want to justify the bad actions of the individuals that they believe are leaders of their church. And they are leaders of your church, but where are they leading you to? Are they leading you like the religious man led Nephi into the darkness and into the fog? Or, you know, like Nephi had to turn away from the religious man in his vision and plead out to God. And God is the one that led him back to the iron rod where he eventually was able to go to the tree of life. He had to turn away from these men who proclaimed to be religious leaders you know, there's like a bunch of scriptures about trusting in the arm of flesh and how there's a curse that comes along with that. It doesn't mean you completely throw out what they say, but you take what they say and you take it to God and you learn from it. And then you get confirmation of the Holy Spirit to make sure that what they're teaching you is correct. A lot of people believe and assume that because Joseph Smith was a prophet and the Book of Mormon's true, that means that everything the church does is right. And that is completely wrong. And it's a test. Are you going to follow man or are you going to follow God? So anyway, uh, we'll get into the 1889 revelation here while I'm sitting here. And uh, it was received 
on November 24th, 1889, and it was received by Wilford Woodruff. So, without any further ado, let's get into the listening portion of this program. Uh, This revelation is 10 minutes long on the reader program, and then we will read it and talk about it after the my voice reader thing does its thing. I know a lot of people don't want to hear my commentary. Um, they want to hear this. Fine. You can hear this, and then I'll talk about it. And I'll talk about all the other stuff, too. So um, if you've gotten through all of the other stuff that I was talking about. But you know what? This is my blog, and it is a podcast format. So if you're interested in learning from me, you're going to know about me too. You're going to know about the things that are going on in my life. Um, you're also going to listen or to learn about the things that I believe and uh, the things that I study. So if you're interested in learning with me, then uh, then you'll find this, I think, educational. And you may not agree with all of my opinions and beliefs, and that's fine. We have free agency. Anyway, without any further ado, let's get into the 1889 revelation received by Wilford Woodruff. Revelation of November the 24th, 1889. Part 7 of Revelations 1880-1890, pages 38-42 Revelation of November the 24th, 1889, given through Wilford Woodruff, Salt Lake City, Utah, Revelation given through President Wilford Woodruff, November the 24th, 1889, given in answer to his prayer about making concessions to the government and the courts in regard to plural marriages church presidency not to deny his lord, make promises or pledges to the enemies, judgments at the door, anointed to keep commandments and exercise faith. 1. Thus saith the Lord my servant Wilford, I, the Lord, have heard thy prayers and thy request, and will answer thee by the voice of my spirit. 2. Thus saith the Lord unto my servants the presidency of my church, who hold the keys of the kingdom of God on the earth. I the Lord hold the destiny of the courts in your midst, and the destiny of this nation, and the destiny of all other nations of the earth, in mine own hands, and all that I have revealed and promised and decreed concerning the generation in which you live shall come to pass, and no power shall stay my hand. 3. Let not my servants who are called to the presidency of my church deny my word or my law, which concerns the salvation of the children of men. 4. Let them pray for the Holy Spirit, which shall be given them to guide them in acts. 5. Place not yourselves in jeopardy to your enemies by promise. 6. Your enemies seek your destruction and the destruction of my people. 7. If the saints will hearken unto my voice, and the counsel of my servants, the wicked shall not prevail. 8. 
Let my servants who officiate as your counselors before the courts make their pleadings as they are moved upon by the Holy Spirit, without any further pledges from my priesthood. 9. I, the Lord, will hold the courts, with the officers of government and the nation responsible for their acts towards the inhabitants of Zion. 10. I, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, am in your midst. I am your advocate with the Father. 11. Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 12. Fear not the wicked and ungodly. 13. Search the scriptures, for they are they which testify of me, also those revelations which I have given to my servant Joseph, and to all my servants since the world began, which are recorded in the record of divine truth. 14. Those revelations contain the judgments of God, which are to be poured out upon all nations under the heavens, which include great Babylon. These judgments are at the door. They will be fulfilled as God lives. 15. Leave judgment with me, it is mine, saith the Lord. 16. Watch the signs of the times, and they will show the fulfillment of the words of the Lord. Let my servants call upon the Lord in mighty prayer, retain the Holy Ghost as your constant companion and act as you are moved upon by the Spirit, and all will be well with you. 17. The wicked are fast ripening in iniquity, and they will be cut off by the judgments of God. 18. Great events await you in this generation and deny at your doors. 19. Awake. O Israel, and have faith in God and his promises and he will not forsake you. 20. I the Lord will deliver my saints from the dominion of the wicked in mine own due time and way. 21. I cannot deny my word, neither in blessings nor judgments. Therefore let mine anointed gird up their loins, watch and be sober, and keep my commandments. 22. Pray always and faint not. Exercise faith be in the Lord and in the promises of God. Be valiant in the testimony of Jesus Christ. 23. The eyes of the Lord and the heavenly hosts are watching over you on your acts. Therefore be faithful until I come. I come quickly to reward every man, according to the deeds done in the body. Even so, Amen. Notes, Note 1. Thursday, December the 19th. During our meeting a revelation was read which prayers. Woodruff received Sunday evening, November the 24th. Propositions had been made for the church to make some concessions to the court in regard to its principles. Both of prayers. Woodruff's counselors refused to advise him as to the course he should pursue, and he therefore laid the matter before the Lord. The answer came quick and strong. The word of the Lord was for us not to yield one particle of that which he had revealed and established.
he had done and would continue to care for his work and those of the saints who were faithful and we need have no fear of our enemies when we were in the line of our duty. We are promised redemption and deliverance if we will trust in God and not in the arm of flesh. We were admonished to read and study the word of God and to pray often. The whole revelation was filled with words of the greatest encouragement and comfort and my heart was filled with joy and peace during the entire reading. It sets all doubts at rest concerning the course to pursue. Journal of Abraham Cannon, December 19, 1889, Note 2 Saturday, November 23, 1889 The Church Attorneys and John W. Young met at the office with PRSTS. Cannon and Smith to consider the property of putting further testimony in court more fully explaining the instructions to pray for the avenging the blood of the prophets in the endowments also in regard to anointing the arm. Bro. Young felt it will be a proper time to state in court that instructions have been given by the presidency that no more plural marriages shall be solemnized, etc. Perez. Cannon was not in favor of such action and said that Perez Woodruff was the only one to decide that. Bro. Young suggested that to have time to see Perez. Woodruff, the attorneys should ask to have the case continue till Monday morning. This was approved and it was proposed that Bro. Young see Perez. Woodruff tomorrow. Sunday, November the 24th, 1889, bro. DR, Batman called for me with a buggy this evening and took me to the Gardo house. I found Perez. Wardrop there. Here with Perez. George Q. Cannon had met this afternoon with bro. John W. Young, Legrand Young, Jez. H. Moyle and R. W. Young to consider the matters as presented and talked upon yesterday, and the question was left with Perez. Woodruff to decide. The president told me of this and said that he had made the subject a matter of prayer, and by the voice of the spirit he was directed to write, after he had concluded writing which he was doing when I arrived. He asked me to copy a revelation which he had received and dash I did so. Having heard bro. J. W. Young's reasoning, I felt very much worked up in my feelings for I did not feel that as a church we could assume the position in regard to celestial marriage, which he seemed to desire should be taken, and when prayers. Woodruff commenced talking to me this evening I felt that he had become converted and actually trembled, for I know such had not been prose. Woodruff's feelings before but as I wrote at his dictation, I felt better all the time, and when completed I felt as light and joyous as it is possible to feel, for I was satisfied that Perez Woodruff had received the word of the Lord. When Perez Joss F. Smith returned and read the revelation he was moved to tears and expressed his approval and acceptance of the word of the Lord to his servants and saints. We all felt well and thankful to the Lord. Monday, 
November the 27th, 1889. The Presidency of the Office. I attended to our mail matter. I also wrote a letter to Bro. J. D. T. McAllister, Street, George Perez. Woodruff. Revelation of Perez. Woodruff, Sunday, November the 24th, 1889, Revelation in quoted. 1. John Nuttall Journal, Original, 16, 162-170. 170. All right, so that is the reading, uh, the reader program for the 1889 revelation. Um, it has cleared up in the last 10 minutes, and unfortunately, I don't have enough time to even go get a short haul because I have to be back to my house by 5 so I can start waking my kids up and everything. So I'm going to uh, come back to this recording, this podcast, um, and uh, I'll, I will finish it out. Hopefully I can get it out by 8 a.m. Now if I finish it early, it'll, it'll be dropped early, but 8 a.m. is my time that I'm like, okay, I got to get this done by then because I sleep from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. so I can work at night. So that's my deadline. Anyway, hopefully I can... uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to get through this. It's not that long. And uh, hopefully it won't take me that long to to read it. But, you know, some people don't like my commentary and some people love it. So, you know, it's a mixed bag of tricks, I guess. Um, And you know what? For people who want to just listen to the revelation, well, there you go. For the people who like my commentary... I'll get to it as soon as I can. So, which for you will be no time at all. But for me, it might be a couple hours. So anyway, I'll be back later to finish out the program for the 19th of October, 2021. Okay, I'm home. It's been a couple hours, but I got home safely. All that snow that had fallen, that hit his first snow of the year, so the ground's still warm, and uh, it it made every everything turn to fog, so that was fun. But at least it wasn't snowing as bad as it was. I was talking to my friend Jeffrey, and he had to pull over too. He couldn't see nothing. He said there was six inches of of snow stuck to his headlights, and. Uh, he said basically what I had to do as well. The only the only thing that we could do is roll our windows down and look down and see if we could see a line or something on the road and couldn't see anything in front of us because it was snowing so heavy, but we could see, you know, if we looked down at the road, we could see kind of where we were. <laughs> so... So that's how we uh, made it to safe places where we stopped, both he stopped and I stopped different places and just had to wait for it to to die down so we could drive. Uh, by the time he got over to the mine, the roads were snow packed, so they had to wait for a plow truck to get up there because the, 
the grade going up to the mine is very steep, very steep. And uh, when you're empty, you don't have any weight on your drive tires because uh, when you're loaded, the trailer, a loaded trailer will, you know, put some weight on those drive tires. But when you're empty, you don't have no weight on the drive tires and you have no traction. It's bad. Anyway, so that was all fun. All right, let me just uh, get into the reading and the commentary of the Revelation. And then uh, when we come back for the next recording, podcast, or whatever you want to call it, we are going to be reading part two of 1880s to 1890s Revelations, or 1880 to 1890 Revelations. And I've read this on my old radio show, The Kingdom of God or Nothing, but uh, it's been a while since I've read it, so I can't remember. Oh, I think I accidentally paused it. Anyway, it's been a while since I've read this book. I read it on my old program, The Kingdom of God or Nothing. Uh, but when I revamped and decided to change the name of the podcast... I stopped doing those programs, and I did not know this, but after two years, they started deleting the audio, which I understand, but it still sucks. So, like, you can go and search the kingdom of God or nothing and find the podcast, and you can find hundreds of episodes, because I think I did almost 500 episodes on that program, but... uh a lot of the programs, the audio is being deleted over time. So it is what it is. And uh, I, like I said, I've read this stuff before. But it's good to get a little refresher. Plus, a lot of the audience uh, for the Fundamentally Mormon podcast, you know, they don't know about these things. Now, there are people that I know that ha- listen to the old program that... Uh, used to come on the old radio show uh, that come on this program as well. So they've heard it, but a lot of people haven't. So, And the only reason I decided to do this book is because of uh, recent controversy about the 1886 revelation. Uh, one of my favorite podcasters, uh, Radio Free Mormon, and Bill Reel covered it. But I realized that they did not cover it very well. Uh, there's a lot of things that they were talking about that don't match up with what the actual revelation is and the circumstances around it. They didn't understand those things. And I don't know where they got their information from, but it wasn't Ogden Kraut and it wasn't somebody who was um, a good source. So I decided, you know what, we're going to cover these. Because uh, there's more than just the 1886 revelation, which is the one that we covered yesterday. And that is the biggest one, I think. But this one is pretty big as well. So Revelation of November 24th, 1889, which is part seven of Revelations 1880 to 1890. And will be on pages 38 through 42. Revelation of November 24, 1889, given through Wilfred Woodruff in Salt Lake City, Utah. Revelation given through President Wilfred Woodruff, November 24, 1889. So just a year later, 
1890 in the October General Conference, so not even a year later, they come up with this lie called the Manifesto, which is a press release. It is not a revelation. Uh, They never presented the actual revelation if there was one. But if there was a revelation which said all the things that they were saying that it said, it actually contradicts not only the gospel and the restored plan, uh, the, the restored gospel, but it also contradicts these revelations. So guess what the church does? They hide things. And they deny things. And they gaslight on things. And they've done this on many other topics as well. And nobody can, like, really repent and return to the fullness of the restored gospel without realizing that you have been sold a bag of goods. There is a lot of truth in the LDS church. There's a lot of uh, truth in lots of churches. But the LDS church had so much of the truth that over time they reject and they ignore. And is it any wonder that in section 121 or 112, I can't, I always get these mixed up, but um, it talks about gross darkness covereth the earth. And it talks about um, that the judgments of God begin at the house of the Lord among they who say that they know me but do not. So people who are pretending to be prophets, seers, and revelators in the house of God are cursed because these people say that they know God, but they don't know him. You know, they obfuscate and they insinuate that, yeah, we've seen him, we've seen him, but we know that Dallin H. Oaks within the last couple of years at a youth regional uh, fireside kind of let the cat out of the bag when he said that he had not had any kind of experience with any angels or with Jesus Christ and no one in the first presidency or the Quorum of the Twelve has either, Um, which was no surprise to me. Uh, David O. McKay said that Jesus Christ's eyes were brown And he was a president of the church, and he's insinuating basically that he is a special witness, that he has seen him face to face, you know. And uh, But the thing is, I found on the church's website, now I'm letting the cat out of the bag kind of as well, because when I talk about these things, they change things, they hide things, they cover things up, but... Um, I found in uh, on the church's website, and I found it in books before this, where Jesus, or Joseph Smith talked about the Savior's eyes being blue. He also talked about the Father's eyes being blue. And I already knew that when I found them because I had uh, been in the presence of the Father and the Son face to face in the light of the noonday sun, in the flesh. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a vision. It was reality. And I saw them, and I spoke to them face to face. And I knelt before the Father, and he placed his hands on my head and set me apart for this job. And uh, I, so after all of that happened, I kept thinking, because he didn't tell me exactly everything. Like, that happened in 1995 when I was caught up in the Spirit. That was a spiritual thing. 
it was like uh, out of body experience and I was taken to the Salt Lake Temple. Jesus took me into the Holy of Holies that is not the one by the celestial room, but it's one in the middle tower uh, underneath the angel Moroni. It's the highest room in the temple. That is the Holy of Holies of the Father. And then there's one for the Son uh, that's just by the celestial room. Anyway, but Jesus Christ took me into that room and I was in the presence of God. And he told me before I was ever converted to Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon or the Restoration, I was actually an anti-Mormon Baptist at the time, that I would be the final prophet. Which confused me a lot. Because I hate, I used to, okay, I'm going to reveal something about myself. So I had a very turbulent abusive childhood lots of neglect lots of mess uh i told my mom first time i told my mom that i wanted to die like i wanted to kill myself i was nine years old because of the stuff that happened to me as a child um i was actually put in a psychiatric institution at primary children's hospital third floor west wing in 1992 or three, I was 14 years old. I don't know. My mom had this habit of like just, I'd get home from school and all of my stuff would be packed and she'd say, oh, we're going to go visit somebody. And then she would like just leave me. Well, this time we're just going to go visit this doctor. He wanted, and she'd packed this stuff in the back of the trunk. I didn't even know we had an American Eagle which was a four-wheel drive car back then. And I went to this guy and I was talking to him at the uh, primary children's hospital. Now, this was in the new building. If you're from Salt Lake and you know this stuff, you know this stuff. But if you don't, I'll just tell you. So we used to go to this other guy at the old primary children's hospital and then this is the first time we had gone to the new one and they had just opened it. And so we're in this, uh, we go through all of these like magnetically locked doors to get into this, this part of the hospital. And uh, I'm sitting there talking with this guy and my mom's sitting there talking with this guy. And then my, the guy said, hey, um, can I just talk to him by myself? And my mom was like, sure. And she went out of the room and then we were talking for a little while. And then he said, Oh, just follow me. And so he opened up this other door and I went through and I was in this psychiatric ward and, uh, there was a window with a speaker and I was able to talk to my mom through the speaker. And she said, we're just going to let you stay here because they want to, check you and evaluate you for a while and I don't remember the full details of everything that happened I just remember seeing her through the window and thinking I can't believe she's done this to me again all I ever wanted to do as a child was stay home but she started giving me away to two different people like even when we lived in Florida like some stranger had me for like two weeks that she kind of knew that we lived by because she had to go do something and she just left me there. And I don't remember that. I just remember 
my grandparents talked about it later because they were really angry at her for doing these kind of things to her like only child well she had um my sister who was one anyway but um i think my sister had pneumonia and she had to take care of that but so she leaves me with these strangers and then i was two years old um and she like dropped me off at my grandparents her parents house and just left me and then uh the reason why i talk about my grandparents a lot is because they helped raise me a lot the only town that i um that i lived in with any kind of stability was a little town called Spencer, Idaho, because my grandparents had a log cabin there and they ran an opal mine there. And every summer I would live with every single summer I lived with them. And then some winters too. And then, uh, I lived with my dad who finally got off of drugs after my mom left him. Who knows when I was three, when she left him, cause it was a mess. And then um, I lived with him a couple times. I lived with different aunt and uncles. Uh, she tricked me into a youth home once. She tricked me into a drug and alcohol rehab center when I was 14 before I'd ever done any drugs or alcohol, just a place to get rid of me. Anyway, but this psychiatric evaluation place was... Um, it it was at Primary Children's Hospital, and they they basically I did really well in there. I was there for a while, and uh, the structure and everything was great. It wasn't abusive, like it was at home, um, and I did really well there. And in fact, when they told me I had to go home, I broke a piece of plastic that I could make sharp, and I tried to hurt myself because I finally had a place that was stable that that was good and it wasn't chaotic like home so anyway um but uh so I found out later when I went to go to a mission, they ha- they pulled up my records and everything. And like, yeah, I was in a psychiatric center, so they had to do a new evaluation on me. And um, I found out that the old records, what they said in the records, which is completely opposite of what my normal therapist said. My, my normal therapist said all these things. They had all these evaluation or I don't know what they call them like I was this and I was that and it was all the other things but the hospital said that uh, I was normal and that I was reacting to the situation at my home and that's why I wasn't uh, I was normal when I was not in that situation but anyway so my daughter's my two young daughters are jumping up and down in the living room where I'm sitting and they see the snow outside. So they are excited. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, you can't build a snowman because by the time you get home, that'll all be melted. Because I do not allow snow to sit in my yard. It's all going to be gone. Nope, I, I'm saying snow be gone and it will be gone by the time you get home. Maybe later, but right now the ground is warm and it will all melt. <laughs> I love my kids. Anyway, so, um, so anyway, um, basically all of the stuff that they were trying to say was a lie. And now, you know, maybe I am crazy. I mean, I have seen God, you know, plausible, plausible deniability. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but, um, but I went through a lot but um, why did I even get on this topic? And so the stupid thing about this recording program is I can't edit any of this stuff out. So it's just going to be on the radio show. But um, but I, in 2003, um, I kept asking God about what it meant in my patriarchal blessing that I have been given the gift of eternal life. Not that I would be, but that I already have. And so I was asking God about what it meant to have you calling an election made sure. And I was asking about my patriarchal blessing. And I was caught up in the flesh and I saw the Father and the Son face to face. And I saw that their eyes were blue. David O. McKay claimed that they were brown. Well, the only person that I've ever seen in the spirit realm that had brown eyes was Lucifer before he became Satan. After he became Satan, like I've seen, I saw a vision of him um, in the pre-existence before he rebelled. And I saw what he looked like before he fell and he had brown eyes. And in fact, it's really kind of funny because there is a painting at Deseret Book and my wife has seen him as well. And there, anyway, there's this painting at Deseret Book, and everybody thinks it's Jesus, and it is the exact image of what Lucifer looked like before he became Satan. And he had brown eyes. But the Savior's eyes are blue, and Joseph Smith talked about that, and I even found that on the church's website. And Joseph Smith also, when I was trying to find that quote, because somebody asked me about it once, I was trying to find that quote, and I found this other quote where Joseph Smith said that the father's eyes were blue. And I know that they were, because I've seen him as well, face to face, as close as one man would stand to another and talk to him, close enough to kneel before him for him to put his hands on my head. That happened in 2003 so when i see these these quotes of david or mckay where he's seen the savior he's lying either that or he saw lucifer that was pretending to be the savior because you know he can come as an angel of light (laughs) except for when lucifer comes he's a spirit he doesn't have a body but anyway so um So the gaslight, uh, things that were taught at one time are no longer taught. And then these apologists, they want to like 
buddy up to the church and like get their, I don't know, their pat on the head and on the back from these other people who are in high positions of authority and they just will make up all kinds of apologetics and lies to try to make excuses or to gaslight about things that had been taught at one time as doctrine, like the Adam-God doctrine and a whole bunch of other stuff, and then they want to lie to you about it. They They want to throw these revelations under the bus and say they don't exist. When they do exist, when they they did exist, they still exist. God's word is eternal. He gave these as revelations to John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff, and they stand as a testimony against the church at this time. And Wilfred Woodruff, on November 24, 1889, received this revelation, and it was given an answer to his prayer about making concessions to the government and the courts in regard to plural marriages. So, I'll read this. Church presidency not to, to deny his law, which is plural celestial marriage, being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, they make promises or pledges to their enemies. Or they're not to make promises or pledges to their enemies. The judgments are at the door and the anointed to keep the commandments and exercise faith. So when you've received your washings and your anointings, you are part of the anointed. Uh, You can also receive your second anointings. That's a higher level of anointing. But anyway, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord to my servant Wilford Woodruff, I, the Lord, have heard thy prayers and thy request and will answer thee by the voice of my spirit. Verse 2. Thus saith the Lord unto my servants, the, the presidency of my church. Wilford Woodruff was the president of the church when he received this. Now, they ignore these things, and is it any wonder that he doesn't give any kind of revelations to the church anymore? These are the last revelations that the church received that were that should have been canonized, that were, thus saith the Lord, revelations. I mean, Jesus did appear to Lorenzo Snow when he became the president of the church, and the church will talk about that, but they don't tell you the full story. Lorenzo Snow was in the Holy of Holies multiple times trying to get revelation from God about what he should do and all this and that. And they'll tell you he came out of the Holy of Holies and in the hallway, Jesus Christ was standing there. Well, first of all, why didn't he appear in the Holy of Holies? Why is it that the church will tell you he was in the hallway. Jesus was in the hallway when he spoke to Lorenzo Snow. What they don't tell you is that Jesus told Lorenzo that he should reorganize the first presidency and pick certain people for the apostleship, but that because the church has rejected his law, He's rejected, the, the church has rejected these revelations and the instructions given before that, that Jesus Christ will no longer go into the Holy of Holies. And if you've been to the celestial room in the Salt Lake Temple, on the south side of the room, there is a door. There's two doors, actually, the French doors. 
and you can see through the windows of these doors, but in front of them, there's a very large vases, very heavy vases. They put them in front of those doors, so nobody will go into there. But Jesus doesn't go into there either. If you go out of the celestial room and you turn right, so when you go out of the celestial room, uh, Jesus' Holy of Holies, you go out of the Holy of Holies and you go into the anti-room, which is a preparation room that you go into before you go in the Holy of Holies. And then you turn left and you go out into the celestial room and you turn right and you go down by the stairway that goes up to the ceiling rooms. If you turn right, there's a hallway, and you go in there and you turn right again, there's an office there. That, that's where Jesus the Christ was written. That's where the president's office was in the temple for a long time, and that's where Lorenzo Snow was headed back to when Jesus appeared to him. When he was going from the hallway from the celestial room back to his office, that's where Jesus appeared to him, not in the Holy of Holies. And he said that he would not go back in that room because the church has rejected his gospel. And he was speaking about plural celestial marriage, the law of adoption, all the other stuff that they rejected in 1890. Anyway, uh, and there was a lot more than just plural marriage that was rejected at that time. <clears throat> Verse 2, Thus saith the Lord unto my servants, the, the presidency of my church, who hold the keys of the kingdom of God on the earth, I, the Lord, hold the destiny of the courts in your midst, and the destiny of this nation, and the destiny of all other nations of the earth. In mine own hands, and I have, and all that I have revealed and promised and decreed concerning the generations in the generation in which you live shall come to pass, and no power shall stay my hand, except for the disobedience of the church. That, I, I don't know. Anyway, verse 3, let not my servants who are called the first presidency of my church, deny my word or my law, which concerns the salvation of the children of men. Now, why is plural celestial marriage a saving grace to the children of men? It's because in the beginning, and this God showed me that. He showed me a lot, okay? He's taken me up in the spirit and showed me a lot of stuff. I saw how the intelligence becomes a spirit. When the intelligence and God showed me and spoke to me as he was showing me this to explain it to me, when the intelligence become spirit, there's a flash of light. They become self-aware and the feminine and the masculine energies separate and you have two orbs of light which are at that point spirits. That's the beginning birth of a spirit. All it is is an orb of light, but it has intelligence. It has self-awareness. This is These are infant spirits. In the process of time, they become adult spirits and all of that. But when that separation occurs from the intelligence, they begin to age. Beginning of the spirit can have an end. Unless 
they are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, the ma- uh, the masculine energies, the male, male energies or spirits to the female spirits. And this is reserved for only those who receive exaltation. Because by their very nature, women are more sensitive and spiritual and more obedient than males or masculine, there are many more feminine who qualify to receive exaltation. But they can only receive exaltation if they are sealed to a masculine or a male who is worthy of that same exaltation. And because there are many more feminine than there are masculine, God allows plural celestial marriage where multiple females can be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise to males. It doesn't mean that they have to have sex. It doesn't mean that they have to have children. It is a sealing ordinance that is done for the exaltation of women. Satan wants to turn that on its head and try to make it into something else. And for you men out there, and this drives me nuts, I see this all the time in fundamentalist circles, uh, mainstream Mormons that want to live polig- these usually young men in their 20s. They, they don't even have one wife, but they want 20, right? Like, uh, y- you, for one, don't get to call yourself a fundamentalist just because you want to live polygamy. There's a whole lot more to being a fundamentalist Mormon than there is than, than just polygamy. And that shows the ignorance. And also... It shows, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody, but if that's all you want, you're not doing it for the right reasons. And you shouldn't live polygamy anyway unless you get specific revelation, not not revelation from your hormones, but revelation from God that you should live this. And your first wife, if you ever get around to getting married to at least one, also has to have revelation for herself that this should be a thing. And the person who's joining joining your marriage should also have revelation. So you should, all three of you, if there's only, you know, one man and two women, all of you get revelation. All of you. I'm not, this whole law of Sarah crap, I don't even know. But but the whole the whole reason for plural celestial marriage is for the salvation of God's children and not only the salvation but the exaltation of women. So verse four, let them pray for the Holy Spirit, which shall be given them to guide them in their acts. See, you should get revelation before you go down this 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 pathway. It's not for everyone, and there are plenty of men out there that only want to live it because of their carnal nature, and that is the wrong way to live it. Um, In fact, I will not seal men to women, even monogamously, let alone plurally, if I don't get revelation as a sealer to do it. 
Verse 5, place not yourselves in jeopardy to your enemies by promise, so don't make any compacts with them. That's what Jesus is instructing Wilford Woodruff, which less than a year later he does anyway. Verse 6, your enemies seek your destruction and the destruction of my people. And how do they do that? By doing away with the principles of the gospel, which are essential for Zion's redemption. I mean... If you are a threat to the devil's kingdom, he's going to come after you. And he uses his enemy, or our enemies to do that, which are in the government. Now, our enemies are within the church. And the church loves them. But they don't realize how much of an enemy they are by, te- by teaching the people to go away from God's commandments when they should be walking towards them. Verse 7, if the saints will hearken unto my voice and the counsel of my servants, the wicked shall not prevail. Verse 8, let my servants who officiate as your counselors before the courts make their pleadings as they are moved upon by the Holy Spirit without any further pledges from my priesthood. Verse 9, I, the Lord, will hold the courts with the officers of government and the nations responsible for their acts towards the inhabitants of Zion. Verse 10, I, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, am in your midst. I am your advocate with the Father. Now, let me reveal to you a little secret. If you have ever had the Holy Spirit burning like fire within you, more than just the good feelings that the Spirit provides. But if you've ever felt that burning, you have been in the midst of Jesus Christ, who is just beyond the veil. Verse 11, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 12, Fear not the wicked and the ungodly. 13, Search the scriptures, for they are they which testify of me. Also those revelations which I have given to my servant Joseph and to all my servants since the world began, which are recorded in the record in the record of the divine tr- uh, truth. Verse 14. Those revelations contain the judgments of God which are to be poured out upon all nations under the heavens which include great Babylon. These judgments are at the door. They will be fulfilled as God lives. Verse 15, Leave judgment with me, it is mine, saith the Lord. Verse 16, Watch the signs of the times, and they will show the fulfillment of of the words of the Lord, or the Father, Let my servants call upon the Lord in mighty prayer and retain the Holy Ghost as your constant companion and act as you are moved upon by the Spirit and all will be well with you. Verse 17. The wicked are fast ripening in iniquity and they will be cut off by the judgments of God. Verse 18. Great events await you in this generation and... In this generation and are nigh at your doors. Verse 19. Awake, O Israel, and have faith in God and his promises. 
and he will not forsake you. Verse 20. I, the Lord, will deliver my saints from the dominion of the wicked in mine own due time and way. Verse 21. I cannot deny my word, neither in blessings or in judgment. Therefore, let mine anointed gird up their loins, watch and be sober, and keep my commandments. Verse 22. Pray always and faint not. Exercise faith, be in the Lord and in the promises of God. Be valiant in the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, the eyes of the Lord and the heavenly hosts are watching over you and your acts. Therefore, be faithful until I come. I come quickly to reward every man according to the deeds done in the body. Even so, amen. So that's the revelation, and like I said, there's there's a couple more pages I'm not going to go over with or go over uh, with the commentary. Uh, you can go read it for yourself, ogdenkraut.com, or just I'll I'll put a link in the description in the radio show description, podcast description, where you can go read the text to this for free on my Tumblr account, which is tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally mormon. And uh, I guess we'll be done with the program for today. It's a little little over an hour, but I think it's all well or worth it. And uh, I will definitely have this uploaded by 8 a.m. So, all right. Thank you for listening to the program. Like I said, tomorrow when we come back on, we are going to start part two of the 1880s to 1890s revelations. And like I said... I covered this stuff on my old radio show about four or five years ago, but all of those programs are being deleted, um, not by my choice, but I guess that's what happens when when you don't pay them their money. <laughs> they just, after two years, they start deleting things. So, so we'll cover it again, and we'll be in part two when we come back for the next program. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless, and goodbye.